Welcome to I'm Obsessed With This, the Netflix podcast about the shows and films everyone seems to be talking about and why. I'm your host, Bobby Finger, and today I'm joined in the studio by Fran Hoffner, writer-slash-grad student living in Jersey City, whose work has appeared in The All, R.I.P., BuzzFeed, The Cut, Vulture, WQXR, and other places. Plus, she has a Jude Law podcast with Caroline Simons called Law School. Law School. You should subscribe now. It's good. Um, I would just listen to the Alfie one. <laughs> I'm also joined by Jeff Lappett, a former blogger and Netflix user since 2007. Honestly, that's wow. an incredible bio. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. No, um, big time Netflix head. <laughs> <laughs> he loves he loves the flicks. That's why he came. We were gonna do a Hulu podcast, and he was like, "I won't do it." Pass, mm. hard pass. But yeah, these are two of the smartest moviegoers that I know. Most voracious moviegoers. I would call them cinephiles, maybe. Ooh. Oh yeah. Very yeah. funny. Very great. Love Thank that you. they're here with me, and I'm lucky to have them on to talk about films and a miniseries. Two films and a miniseries. Thanks for coming. Thank um, you. As usual, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion of all titles today, so check the time codes in the show notes in case you would like to skip those sections. So let's start with the beverage situation. Last week, both guests asked for still water, not sparkling, not coffee, not anything, not kombucha, not tea, not you know anything. They just wanted still water. You both chose coffee jeff with the hot yeah. black brand with iced oat milk mm-hmm. i got iced with whole milk how is it it's, it's good. great it's great mm-hmm. it's good yeah i i felt like it would be a waste if i didn't ask you to bring us coffee you're a noted fan noted java head this is a great example i feel like we all have examples like where we it starts as a joke and then it becomes an actual part of your <laughs> dna yeah. mm-hmm. where i was like i i remember laughing at just java as a personality i've always thought was really funny like cracker barrel signage yeah about java beans needing caffeine don't talk to me before it i always thought it was very funny fully as a joke no, but now i really now i look yeah. at it and i'm like that's so true yeah. <laughs> like me before my java me after my java i see myself in both of those so relatable it's extremely relatable is there anything like that for both of you oh, like gosh. something that started as a bit and then became completely earnest well i mean i think everything about ansel <laughs> elgort for me <laughs> started as kind of a bit and now is really genuine mm-hmm. so you can't wait for the goldfinch yeah, <laughs> I watched that trailer came out today. I was like, "All right, fair enough." I'm in. Yeah, His, uh, someone. I was in a text thread with some people this afternoon talking about it this morning, and someone described his puffy lips, his pillowy oh, lips. Sure. And it was like, I, would people have been, you know, lusting after Ansel's pillowy lips a year ago? Probably not. That Maybe same not. person. I don't lust for him really. You just like him. Yeah. You just like him. Yeah, I, I don't feel any. You're kind an Ansel phys- fan. Yes, Ansel. Yeah. <laughs> you were you were, you used to just kind of laugh at the idea of Ansel. Yeah, because I I love the idea of actor slash DJ, <laughs> and I love the sort of side EDM career. And when he'd be like, "I've been DJing way longer than I've been acting." Yeah, and it's like, okay, calm down. I wasn't checking, you know. <laughs> um, but now that he's gone full acting, it's like I'm ready. I'm ready. It's I'm really here. nice. And Violetta is you know extremely oh, lovable. Doing Viol- Spawn. Oh, she's so good. Spawn for Colgate. You love that. <laughs> Uh, the goldfinch looks good. Yeah. Why not? Sure. sure. I don't remember. I know for a fact that I read that book. Wow. <laughs> I know that I read it. I don't remember it. Yeah. Like, I got, I I got nothing. I got version of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sure it'll be an entirely different experience. Yeah. How he sees it. Yeah. Is there is there someone you've ever like fanboyed over as a joke and then realized, wait, oh, yeah. no, I'm Dian- a fan. Diane Lane. There, there was, Wait, how could that ever be a joke? It, well, it started out as as a joke because I was talking on Twitter about like how 
nobody ever like sends me links to things or sends me pictures of anything so i was like <laughs> i guess i should just be loud about what i like and i picked diane diane lane and i just <laughs> wouldn't shut up about diane lane for like two three months and it worked it worked people kept sending me pictures of diane lane and telling me about stuff that they saw diane lane in and it was this was like right before um batman versus superman dawn of oh, justice yeah, yeah. And so, is that I, where she's like, she's the president? Isn't she the mom? She's, she's, the the mom. Oh. she's one of the Marthas. Oh, okay. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, Diane Lane. She's great. Have you seen Under the Tuscan Sun? I haven't yet. Oh, um, that's peak Diane yeah, Lane. <laughs> you got to see that. It might feel like too much Diane Lane for me. I need to mentally prepare for it. You got to see Under. Have yeah. you seen Under the no, Tuscan Sun? No, I've never sun? seen it. Oh, you got to see Under the Tuscan Sun. It's not. What's she on. doing under that sun? She's starting over. Is what she's doing oh. for you. <laughs> she's starting over. What are you both watching on Netflix right now? We got to start with that. We got to start with that. Fran? I'm still re-watching. I think you should leave. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot stop. I've been saying, oh, nice. To every, <laughs> like, every, it's a actual, it's worse than the Java problem. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's broken a part of my brain. It's like and I infiltrated our language at home. Like, what's your favorite, what is each of your favorite lines from the, not even just car focus group. <laughs> what's sure. a line you revisit? Figure out what you do. You've had all summer to think <laughs> of it. It's so funny. You think of it. I love how he, when he slurs his words together. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I just love uh, well, the thing that's just in my head and won't leave is how he, in that sketch with the loaded nachos, how mm-hmm. he just like tearfully looks at his date and is like, what? <laughs> and my wife and I have just been saying that to each other. What? Oh, back and forth. It's like, oh. what? <laughs> I love, oh, nice. And I also love, <laughs> and I also love, um, he does it in a few of the sketches, but specifically the one where they, the babysitter spiral. Mm-hmm. And he goes, at all. When he's talking about, like, they don't matter at all. Like, they're nothing. Like, the at all. I've been saying at all too much. Too much. I can't get over. Is that it? Are you just watching? I think you should leave over and over and over and over yeah, and over. Yeah, and then I'll stop mid episode and I'll just like pick it up a couple days it's, later and just keep watching through it's it. It's truly like it's a I it's a mental it so problem much. for me. I think. Yeah. Have you seen his episode of the characters? No. Yeah. Oh. oh, it's the second to the last episode of that series, and it's like another episode of I think you should. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's one sketch from that that I do that. There's a quote from that one where he does like an old timey sort of like gambling 1920s like gambling guy. Yeah, yeah. crooner, and he loses and just goes, "Oh no, I'm broke." <laughs> and I think that basically when it gets to like Thursday every week, <laughs> I'm already like I'm picturing it. I love it. I'm already repeating it over and over again. Mm-hmm. He's so good. And I had no idea who he was. I'm not oh, I'm yeah. not well versed on like the comedy zine. And I feel like everyone knew who he was and like was really a huge fan of him. He was kind of an underdoggy type well, guy. I hate this phrase, but he was like a comedian's comedian. Okay. Where yeah. it's like the people Sometimes in it really yeah. know mm-hmm. him and like outside of that he had never really broken through. Because mm-hmm. he had had that one season of SNL, but mm-hmm. it's not like he had this sort of like breakthrough character mm-hmm. over that season. Mm-hmm. So yeah. What a nightmare that must be. You get one chance. You basically get one chance on that show. Once you're cast, and if that first year doesn't work out, like, good luck, I Mm -hmm. guess. That seems like how it usually works out. Um, What have you been watching, Jeff? Um, What have I been... I'm kind of, like, in between Netflix shows right now, but I wrote down some things that I have been watching. (laughs) Um, uh, My wife will watch Gossip Girl and Parts Unknown, and I'll kind of come in 
in out-of-context bits. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've seen a lot of scattered episodes of Gossip Girl, a lot of sca scattered episodes of Parts <laughs> Unknown. Um, oh, Tuca and Birdie. I've really loved Tuca and Tuca Birdie. Tuca and Birdie. Have you we have guys seen that yeah. We have a call about that, which I will play right now. Hi, Bobby. It's Lonnie. I'm obsessed with Tuca and Birdie. I think Lisa Hanawalt is a genius. I love the character designs on BoJack Horseman. And they're even more creative on Tuca and Birdie. There's literal plant people. But the show also talks about, like, real-life issues uh, through these animated birds. And it made me feel things and made me laugh my ass off. So I think everyone should watch it. Yeah, I, I just I love uh, I just love how demented it all seems. I love all of the sight gags. I love the way they animate them walking. Mm -hmm. I love how they get hung up on these weird animation bits. Um, there's a part where uh, Steve Yoon is uh, is Birdie's boyfriend. And um, I've never felt so owned in a cartoon <laughs> before, just like specifically, specifically called out. His whole deal is that he's very routine and very uh, does kind of things the usual way. And there's this part where um, they're trying out new things with the relationship and it's not really working. And uh, Bertie's like, we could get back to just doing things the usual way. And Steve Yoon's character is, his name is Speckle. Speckle's chanting, usual way, usual <laughs> way, usual way. And I felt that in my Love soul. the usual way. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the usual yeah, way. What's wrong with it? It's working. <laughs> I love her art style. It seems very, I could do that, but I didn't. And also I couldn't do it as well as she does it. You know, like I think it's like deceptively simple looking. It's so unique, even though it looks sort of like childish yeah. and simple. But you know that it's very singular and you both know Marion. Mm -hmm. I was on her Instagram stories and there was like she had a print of this like male nude mm -hmm. oh, that was yeah. like in beautiful golden hour in oh, her apartment. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And she zoomed in on it and I was like, what is this? And it was Lisa Hanawalt. It was Lisa oh, Hanawalt wow. print. And I was like, well, I'm going to Google this later. Yeah. All her stuff is so colorful. It's just yeah, so it's pleasing great. to look at. And I never, I, I never got into BoJack. I probably should. I just didn't. It didn't land I, for I me. I wasn't either. I I watched a couple of the first episodes, and it just didn't stick with me. Mm -hmm. And everyone I know has been saying you got to keep on going. Yeah, um, it yeah gets, the same Just thing gets better. That. And I just I haven't gotten around to. And it. when I see like isolated screenshots from it, I always laugh at it's, whatever mm -hmm, the joke mm -hmm, is. Yeah. But I've just never gotten through like the first few. I'll get there. Yeah, I'll get there. I'll just add it to the pile. Uh, so let's just get right into it. We're going to talk about When They See Us, the new Ava DuVernay miniseries. We're going to talk about The Perfection, the new Allison Williams vehicle. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about <laughs> Always Be My Navy. She is, <laughs> she's back with a vengeance. I want to talk about When They See Us first. We all watched it. Four yeah. episodes. So yeah. it, eventually I was like, oh, four hours. They're each, you know, pushing an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And they're all extremely different structurally and stylistically. I wasn't expecting that. I kind of went into it expecting a more standard true crimey thing. Yeah. Like a People versus OJ sort of situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's not. It's very cinematic. Ava DuVernay directed all of them, co-wrote all of them. Uh, it's about the Central Park jogger case from 1989. About the five boys who were wrongfully convicted of like assault, rape. There were, you know, attempted a lot of murder. attempted murder. There were just all of these charges piled on. They, they did not do it. There have been a few documentaries about it in the past, including, I think, a Ken Burns documentary from a few years ago called The Central Park Five. Um, but this is kind of the first like fully formed dramatization of it. And what did we all think? It was kind of, it was incredible. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. 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 It was one of those things where immediately when it starts, I think within the first like 10 minutes, you realize, it, especially watching it early before kind of all the praise and the buzz has, has already been documented. You're like, oh, this is 
this is going to be the thing that everyone's talking about pretty soon. This is going to be kind of an important moment yeah. um, in television this year. What do you think? I'll start with Fran. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. And I think one of the things I like most about it is how not pulpy it felt. And I like People versus O.J. Simpson mm-hmm. and what little I've seen of American Crime Story. But I just love that it didn't have that like true crime sheen yeah. on it. So it's like not the place Mm-mm. for what this story is. And I didn't know a lot about this case. And what I did know, I knew just only in context of like the Donald Trump full page ads, mm-hmm. because that was like talked about in 2016. But a lot of this was new to me. And I just think it's like beautifully crafted and incredibly acted. It mm-hmm. was like a very brutal, but very good watch. Yeah. And one thing that's interesting about her is that she can go she can do films, she can do documentaries, she can do television. And then this sort of like kind of in-betweeny thing, this miniseries is its own sort of medium. She's really good at balancing like brutality with something beautiful. It's empathetic and it's never melodramatic, you know? And I yeah. feel like they can always veer to that. Like I think with the People versus OJ stuff, there's a lot of like scene chewing in that show, which works yeah. in the People versus OJ. Like it works. And especially when you have these same characters throughout the entire season. And in this one, it's sort of broken off into these little four vignettes. You have the actual arrest and the coercion from the police in the first episode. You have the trial in the second episode, the trials in the second episode. They're sort of re-entry into normal society in the third and then the kind of complete horror story of the fourth one that's just about one character and I don't think that many people could do that kind of as gracefully as she did it and, she also, and I think it helps that she wrote it mm-hmm. um, that she had complete creative control over the entire thing um, what did you think she, I th- well I think it's she uh, she handled it all very respectfully as well one of my worries going into it was that you know just by nature of forming a narrative around a true crime thing it sometimes makes it feel exploitative Mm -hmm. and that wasn't the case with this one there's a lot of humanity throughout and from the first episode you're really just caught up in how uh heartbreaking and just infuriating this case is like you know every any scene with all the detectives just kind of crafting things to fit their narrative of the events and not necessarily the truth of the events uh, was just shaking. Yeah, the, that first episode is an ap- as a nightmare. Like yeah. Felicity Huffman too oh. uh, is just such a villain in in this. And like a not scene chewy villain no. performance. Yeah. And especially that final scene that she has in the last episode. Even when people are shown the truth, they find ways to just rationalize themselves out of it. And that scene, she's like, no, that's not what happened. I'm sorry. I did the right thing. Goodbye. And like to her, she's doing the noble thing. And yeah, she's still a monster and completely indefensible. But like she sells that. She sells like, oh, I understand like why she can sleep at night. I know why she's acting the way she's acting. We got justice for a woman who was used and thrown away like garbage. Those boys did that. We helped make sure they got what they deserved. And I'll be damned if I'm going to lose a wink of sleep over it. And it's too bad you are. Thank you for buying the books. Enjoy. There were three of the actors who were aged up, and they got adult replacements in that really great third episode. Mm-hmm. And then Corey, Corey, who was played by Jarrell Jerome, who was in Moonlight. Moonlight, yeah. He I was, was like, where is what is he from? Moonlight. Yeah. I, I was I was having the exact same reaction. I was like, why do I know who this is? And he's Little's like first kiss, first mm-hmm. everything. But he was cast in both the young and the adult roles. Ava let him take a month between filming 
young and old so that he could gain a little bit of weight and like get oh, into no. the character oh. so that he could like try to like emotionally prepare for the whole prison sequence oh i read something about how they had grief counselors like yeah everyone had access during, yeah oh. during the filming just because it was so intense i one thing i really liked about the show is that obviously people are going to be in and out of the narrative but the one constant are the parents mm-hmm. and or they're just always there and they're always played by the same people there was something really powerful about that Mm-hmm. And especially Nisi's character who goes through like a whole cycle of like she's monstrous in her own ways and then she tries to redeem herself and it's a heartbreaking for me. Corey, it's mama. Mm. Corey, can you hear me? It's mama. Yeah, 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 mama, mama. What's up? What's up? Somebody loves you. What? Somebody loves you, baby. You getting out. Mama, wait, wait, wait. slow down. What are you talking about? Corey, listen to me. The man who did it, the man who actually did it, confessed. He confessed. Oh, I've been praying for this day. You free? You coming home? My baby coming home? It's it's really good. I just I don't know, sort of drama wise, if I'll watch something better this year. Yeah. And it's and again, I think that the structure of it was so unique and kind of jarring. We're so conditioned to true crime stories I, at this point. I liked point. that about it. I yeah. liked that tonally each one was a little bit different than the second episode, the beginning of it. It feels kind of structured like a uh, almost kind of like a sports movie in oh, that, yeah. oh, here's the crew, here's the who's who, here's who we're up against, mm-hmm. and it, that. But felt they're all little, like arriving at the courthouse. Yeah, and yeah, it's like... that felt a little corny, but like it, it, I think it also served. But it felt corny at first, but I think it also served the narrative of that episode where these kids have a little bit of hope in them before the verdict is read because mm-hmm. the evidence clearly like points that it's not them and then they get guilty verdicts and it's just the rugs pulled out from under them and it's just so heartbreaking to watch yeah to they're watch they're all pretty convinced that they're gonna go home yeah. until the very end of that episode. and even just watching you're watching their defense lawyers like do an extremely good job mm-hmm. <laughs> and being like well i don't see how anyone could like vote against this yeah and like then, joshua jackson's oh like gosh, being joshua, yeah. joshua okay. jackson is like doing such a good job y'all like oh I love the the like shallow focus thing they would do really frequently with the with just the faces. Mm-hmm. A lot of that oh, like, like directly the Barry Jenkins, the Barry Jenkins-y yeah. stuff. Like <laughs> it mean, was all really powerful, especially at the end. A lot of that third episode reminded me of the like Brian Tyree Henry sort of like anecdote mm-hmm. in uh, Beale Street, which is yeah. just like such a beautiful part about like readjusting to the world and like the sort of soft focus of how everything seems like out of place. Mm-hmm. Everyone should watch when they see us. And the thing about this, everyone will watch when they see us. I feel like that's just going to be one of those things mm-hmm. that, like, you will hear about. Fortunately, we've all watched it. Yeah, I, like, want to have more it. conversations about it. It's, yeah. like, the best thing I can say about it. Ava DuVernay is, like, there aren't there aren't many people yeah, the who are... The Marshall Green comeback is starting. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's real. It's going to happen. I got to say, I love to see John Leguizamo at a 10-minute mark in something. Oh, my God. I, I love John Leguizamo. Rubbing like, my hands. Uh, dad turn in oh his, my God. phase of his oh, career. He's so good. Yeah. And it's just, like, this is... He's no longer the pest, you know? No. He's your oh. dad. He's the daddy. Oh. <laughs> he, the, he has that moment when they're walking into the courthouse and, like, the journalist asks, says something in Spanish, mm-hmm. like, about his son. And oh, he, yeah. in Spanish, is like, you need, you should know better oh, yeah. Yeah. than yeah. to do this. I oh, was like, so oh, yeah. she should know better. <laughs> you forget that John Leguizamo is just a really good actor. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's just, you, people that you put in the comedy bucket and then they go and do something like this. Same thing with Niecy Nash, who has yeah. been doing drama for some time, but, like, nothing like this. Right. I mostly know her from comedy. Have you watched Getting On? Oh my god it's only two seasons it's so good oh okay it's uh, d- it's the one about the doctors you know about this 
HBO, oh, two seasons. Yes, yes. Alex Borstein, Niecy Nash, and uh, Laurie Metcalf. Oh, oh what? so mm. good. Three doctors, okay. two seasons. Incredible. Um, let's move on to Always Be My Maybe. Rom-com, mm-hmm. 180 Degrees. Yeah. Um, starring Ali Wong, Randall Park. Ali Wong of comedy fame, Randall Park of Rush of the Boat fame. Um, directed by Nachka Khan, who created um, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. She's a prolific TV writer. This is her first movie. Uh, rom-com is back. Here's another piece of proof that the rom-com is back. Uh, what did we think of Always Be My Maybe? Great title. Great title. Great Keanu Reeves moment. The rest mm. of it, eh. I would say that <laughs> that was the high point of the movie for me because it was just so bizarre and felt like it was out of the, it was, it came out of something completely different. He's really in the movie. He's yeah. in it. Yeah. He's in the movie and then he's suddenly out of the movie. Yeah. Let's talk about what this movie is about. Ali Wong and Randall Parker, childhood best friends. They live next door to each other in San Francisco. Randall Park's mother dies. Mother taught Ali Wong's character how to cook because Ali Wong was frequently home alone because her parents were always at work. Uh, They grow up. They have one bad romantic moment. They have sex in the back of his car when they're like 18 years old. It goes badly. They insult each other. They never see each other again until 2019 when they're both 34. Point is, they... Never make it happen. He comes back into her life because she's in San Francisco because she's a famous chef now. Um, And their romance is rekindled, sort of, but they both have partners. Will they or won't they? Spoiler, they do. Mm -hmm. But then there's 40 minutes left. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Keanu Reeves is a main deciding factor in their eventual reconnection. Like all great couples. Like all great couples. Uh, Jeff, what did you think of Always Be My Maybe? Um, I was a little disappointed by it, mm-hmm. um, if I'm being honest. I, I really want to root for it because I love that uh, we're at a point now where we've got two Asian leads in a romantic comedy. I love that romantic comedies are back. Um, back. And uh, I'm, I'm for it, but I just uh, I just couldn't really get entirely behind this one. I, I felt it was a little too long. Uh, and like you're saying, they get together and then there's 40 more minutes mm-hmm. of it. Um, the... Uh, There were a lot of funny things that I liked about it. Um, There's a great joke about uh, Glenn Close ordering a pineapple pineapple sandwich, sandwich, (laughs) which I I loved. Um, I think both of the leads, uh, Allie and Randall, are uh, very funny, Um, but... uh, I, uh, I it wasn't really hitting with the uh, per, with the uh, supporting cast for yeah. me, and I feel like that has uh, that has always been one of the hallmarks of the those top tier rom coms. Like the supporting cast is always is always bringing it. And, they're the scene stealers, yeah, yeah, they're scene stealers, and uh, the there wasn't really much scene stealing going on in the supporting cast. There, uh, Fran, what did you think? Um, <laughs> I was also a little disappointed by it. I think it suffers from like I I want the rom com to be back so mm-hmm. wholeheartedly. I'm finding that a lot of the more recent ones, the leads just do not have chemistry, and I don't know if I felt that Allie and Randall had chemistry with each other. They came off like two people who had been friends and yeah. I know they like co-wrote it together and it does have like that kind of like friend energy to mm-hmm. it. But I just didn't really feel any kind of like good sort of flirty energy between them. And I don't think it like was actually sort of grappling with the idea of like harboring romantic feelings for someone you've like shared a lot of your past with. Yeah. Like did not almost like buy into its own premise there was those reveals that final reveal where she's like i've had a crush on you my whole life was presented so casually 
Like right. there, there weren't big emotional moments the way that you expect in a run, like mm-hmm. overly dramatic mm-hmm. moments where like this profession of love takes everything out of you. Even yeah. the ending, mm-hmm. I felt like nothing was big. And I, and, and yeah, that's what makes rom-com so unbelievable. And I kind of think that was one of the points of this movie to make something that avoided those little tropes and presented something a little more relatable because they make a compromise at the end of the movie that is a little rare. Maybe in another rom-com, she would have sacrificed her New York dream or he would have sacrificed something, but he was like, no, I'll move for you. Yeah, I love to see that like idea sort of gestured towards. Mm-hmm. Where of... she's like, I get to have the career that I want. And right. he's just like, I'll go for it. But yeah. I was just sort of like, okay, I figured he would do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> seems right. Seems like a good idea, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the Keanu scene. Ali Wong decides that she's single. And just before Randall Park can profess his love to her, she's like, I met someone. And we're going to go on a double date tonight. Let's go to this, like, dumb, fancy restaurant with small plates and have a double date. And you'll meet him. Turns out this guy is Keanu Reeves, and it's Keanu Reeves playing Keanu Reeves, a sort of exaggerated portrait of like a really egotistical male celebrity. It's funny, but it kind of overstays its welcome. It feels like it's out of a completely different movie. I think also just coming off of like a month of Keanu like press, sort mm-hmm. of post John Wick 3, you hear like 1,000 anecdotes about how he's like the nicest person alive. Mm-hmm. So I think like hinging a whole second act on how he's like an asshole. actually an asshole, I'm just sort of like, I know this isn't true. <laughs> and like, I don't know, like celebrities as themselves being assholes is sort of like a trope in movies and mm-hmm. TV that I'm sort of like, I don't know, kind I of tired a, of. Yeah. Theory on this Keanu moment that I've just come up with now. Share it. I want to um, hear it. So everybody's uh, all about how, talking about how nice Keanu is and how great he is. And it's, Fine, it's all true in my mind. I believe 100% of it. Um, but this, we're in this moment where um, everybody's just being so performatively into Keanu. And I think it's because this is everybody on the internet apologizing for the sad Keanu meme. Just mm-hmm. the proliferation yeah, of that. Bad. Just kind of like picking on Keanu when in that sad photograph and then realizing how actually sad his... Uh, this life had been uh no i think that's a great theory yeah i I think it holds we owe him i and it's true we all do owe keanu Mm -hmm. um he's been through so much and um some of it at our own hands um (laughs) so you know i i'm i'm happy we have to pay for what we've done yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. um he's a really good guy Keanu does have that great joke of uh, in the movie of uh, when Randall Park is offering to uh, pay for the extravagant meal that they all had, Mm -hmm. where he tells him how much it costs and how it's less than a residual check from Speed. (laughs) (laughs) I that that's one thing about the movie that it's it has a lot of good little one-liners and jokes, but those jokes could be in anything. Those jokes Mm -hmm. could, and they also felt like they belonged in a sitcom. They didn't belong in a rom-com. Yeah. Um. I almost wish it would have just been like a normal rom-com. Like give me the exact same beats of a normal rom-com. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. let's, we love rom-coms. Why is, why is the structure so different? It makes mm-hmm. me feel weird. Why do we feel like we need to tweak the rom-com? Yeah. It's a tried and true thing. We want it back. We want the usual way. Give <laughs> us flirting. <laughs> give us flirting. Give us like, give us one instance of a blow up. Cause they have blow ups like three times in this mm-hmm. movie. And it's like, I want it to happen right at the end of the second act and I want them to get together 15 minutes after that. Yeah. And I want them to get together in public 
and then I want there to be a crane shot after they kiss. <laughs> and like, like I want all these things and the movie gave a lot of them, but at weird little areas. And then at the end, I just was very underwhelmed by all of it. In the mirror image of always being my baby, I was so excited for always being my baby and I really wanted to love it. The perfection, I was ready to fully hate and like dunk on. And I'm just like, the perfection kind of owns. I <laughs> I really like the perfection. Off, and I was watching it being like, wow, this is like a weird kind of bad imitation of a Korean horror movie. And then I was like reading an interview with the director and he was like, I love Korean horror movies. Like I watched mm. The Handmaiden and was like, yeah, I want to do this. I love that. Like one of my favorite movies, Wild Things, mm -hmm. um, it really just went for it with the twists and directions, yeah. just piling one on top of the other. Just throw more to the, yeah, throw more on the I, fire. I liked that. Uh, I liked uh, how stressful uh, that bus scene oh. was. Just oh. what a nightmare. Everybody screaming at you in a language that you don't understand. Yeah. Your friend is sick mm -hmm. and uh, about to shit herself. Oh my god! Just terrible. <laughs> she does shit herself. Yeah. She, she shits herself on the steps. Um, the Perfection is a horror film slash musical drama about uh, <laughs> industry <laughs> industry drama, <laughs> starring Alison Williams and Logan Browning and Steven Weber. Good to see Steven Weber of Wings fame. Yeah, do, you all, do we all remember Wings? <laughs> I don't. Um, uh, as these two like virtuoso <laughs> cellists. Cello only. School. Cello only. Yeah, they're like five years apart. Cello Academy. Yes, cellos only. They Cello's get tattoos, only, like a, even a, though they're minors. A very like preparatory, you know, world-renowned cello academy, and they reconnect in adulthood, and you find out there that they're both like extremely jealous and obsessed with one another, and then things go from there, and it kind of is like a um, handmaiden meets a what's the. Black Swan. Yeah. Yeah. It's very Black Swanny, only qu not quite as <laughs> not quite as like nuanced. I don't know. <laughs> like mm -hmm. not quite as thoughtful as Black Swan. It's just it's, let's go hog wild. Let's fully do the funny games rewind and show you things as they really happened after you've already seen them once. Mm -hmm. uh, it relies on a lot of kind of annoying horror film things like that. But I I was into it. You think Alice Williams is the villain? She's not the villain. You think Logan Browning might be the villain? She's not the villain. Steven Weber's the villain. Steven Weber. <laughs> Steven Weber and those other two dudes. Yeah. It's it was not... rape the whole time. It was always yeah. about sexual assault. Yeah. The... Um, it was not uh, really body horror. It wasn't about Ebola. It wasn't about... False flag. False, false Ebola so flag. Many, false Ebola. So many false So many false flags in this movie. Uh, let, just talk more about it, Fran. Tell me about, tell me what you think about the, the perfection. Convince me that I'm wrong. I mean, I don't I don't know if I can do that. This is like so far from what I usually like to watch, but I was so intrigued by the premise as mm -hmm. someone who likes and engages with classical music a lot. I was like, is Alison Williams oh God, gonna be even... able to convince me that she knows how to play the cello? Um, and she did okay. She, she oh did yeah. okay. Right, you are you are a classical music expert. Yeah. I yeah, would say. Yeah, and I played cello for amazing. A couple of I years. didn't even put that together, Fran. I'm so this stupid. Is so no, it's totally fine. It's like this is really a horror movie for me in this <laughs> in this regard. But it was wild to sort of like they certainly would never have a cello only academy. That's strange. Okay. Um, the way that they would just sort of conjure names of pieces without composer, where they'd be like, do cello, do it, and B, and I'd be like, who's Who's what? That's not just a piece you just say. Um, so I found myself getting really anxious about that. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I as as a girl's stand, I will always sort of ride for 
whatever Allison Williams is doing. I will say she's really carved an interesting niche. Yeah, uh, it's really tight how she has really uh, been playing with those expectations of her based on like girls and uh-huh. Get Out. Just yeah. like here's a white woman with darkness inside with her, darkness. <laughs> who has like weird relationships with like people of color, like yeah. like strange and fraught and like. And in this case, like sort of sexy, uh-huh. but like, what is it? Is it menacing? I'm not quite sure. And I think she's actually very good at that. The movie would not be as unpredictable as it is if those performances weren't as good as they are. Right. Um, and I think that might be the best thing to say about that movie. I think when you have Allison Williams in something that uh, that like automatically adds a sense of like unpredictability to mm-hmm. me, because I really like when I watch her, I don't know what she's doing and <laughs> yeah. and will do. And I mean that like in the best possible yeah. way, like. She could do anything. Mm-hmm. She's and a surprising I'd... wild card. Yeah, yeah, she is. You don't expect her to be a wild card. Like, you feel like you've got her Right, pegged. you mm-hmm. always think. But, like, the, everything she's been in, there's been a twist about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Even girls. Even yes. girls. She like won the, at the end. The end of she, girls is she wild. She was the main character. All the yeah. whole time. It was always <laughs> about Marnie. <laughs> oh, my favorite shot in this movie is when she's getting, after she gets tased, mm-hmm. and she falls, and um, Logan's got her, like, boot on her mouth, and she's just turned a little, and her highlighter just looks amazing. Her makeup <laughs> looks perfect for someone who's been kicked on the ground uh, three times. I was like, Allison, unbelievable. <laughs> like, you look perfect. Of course. We had to stand. Yeah. Uh, when she, I loved, I loved how the whole movie, I was sort of like, not a great wig on Allison Williams, <laughs> and then, and then at the end she takes off her wig. That was and unbelievable. I was like, oh, would I have? Would I have thought that's not a great wig if she hadn't been sort of selling it as a bad wig? Like her, per- <laughs> she was giving, she was giving a performance as someone who was aware that they were wearing a bad wig. When you think about it, <laughs> Allison Williams is doing a lot more than I think a lot of people want to give her credit for. This is an extremely galaxy brain take <laughs> on Allison Williams's wig. <laughs> Uh, but this movie, it so it goes. So you go from thinking that Allison Williams is a victim, or like sort of sad and pathetic, and and like the one who got away in mm-hmm. a sense, like the one who didn't become the world-renowned cellist. Do those exist, Fran? Cellists who get away? No, cellists that are like cellists. that famous, like young cellists. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Certainly, mm-hmm. like they would have a billboard for like an alcohol. <laughs> like at the beginning. Yeah, I would hope so. I want that future for cellists. In When's the last time you are you gonna are you gonna like pivot to professional cellist? No, like I'm when not you as you age. But I love it's a beautiful instrument. Okay, yeah, I think the movie could gorgeous. have really showed more of how beautiful the cello is. So it goes from there. You go from then you think that she's fully the villain. Then ultimately, it's like you said, a movie about sexual abuse. It's a movie about rape, like fully rape, and the and the perfection is kind of again. It's like this. The explanation for events is pretty simple like it's like they're rapists that's it Mm -hmm. it's a big smoke and mirrors operation where it's like they have this school where they lure these talented young girls in and then play this game where it's like you have to play this this well you have to play the perfection and if you don't you will be assaulted and you will be punished and tortured for it and i think in that sense there was something there was something almost interesting to the way that it reveals itself to just be about that like it's like a comment on like the way that sexual abusers can masquerade as like like mentory figures where it's yeah, like that's gatekeepers. gatekeepers where it's like those those are the people who are often the people who are the predators the ones who are in that position of power and in that position of influence and people who are held in high regard um, because they use that to their advantage and it's like that's how they stripped those girls away from their families by presenting it as this like great opportunity I don't know there was something kind of interesting about that but mostly I just liked how 
fucking bonkers it was. Mm-hmm. I I liked that I didn't know where it was going. I'm not sure if I'll ever watch it again. I'm not sure what that really says about a movie. I'm not sure if that's a, a, that's fair, but I was pleased with it. I, I think with uh, the final reveal of it being rape all along, um, I I still not sure where I fall on it because I I see where you're coming from with the uh, how you're saying it's an effective. Uh, look at power structures and uh, how uh, these women are being taken advantage of in these, uh, you know, by these gatekeepers. Um, But it also felt like up to that point, uh, each twist that had been building up to it was like, let's top it with this thing. Let's outdo this twist. And uh, it it just felt like the movie had uh, kind of brought me along to start expecting like oh this is just going to be more insane more insane more it's insane aliens. and then the final yeah yeah, yeah some i don't know it could have fit aliens yeah. Sure. yeah 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 but then um the final reveal is that oh it's it's a rape academy they've yeah. just been raping these girls in the school and it's just like oh that's i was like really along for this ride and then it just comes to a screeching halt and because of this just shockingly like awful uh, thing that that uh, that is behind all of it, and uh, like I guess like maybe thematically that works, but like in terms of like my viewing, um, mm-hmm. that really just kind of uh, made me take a step back and uh, kind of I don't know I don't know I, I don't know if I want to say that I'm disappointed in it, but it really just kind of took all the momentum of the movie yeah. out for me because it goes into something that's like completely over the top and. To something yeah, that's utterly real, crazy like, to something that's almost like painfully real. Yeah, it's yeah. like a it's like a, a really like a fucked up reality as opposed to like a fucked up fantasy, mm-hmm. I guess. Um but at least there was that final shot of quadriplegic <laughs> Steven Weber with yeah. an IV in his arm and right. t- two people playing the cello together. Is that possible? I, is that possible? I, what do you I've think? I thought about this all morning. I do think it is possible, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you're if you're both extremely talented, if both parties are extremely talented to begin with, yeah. and super and they sh- in sync with each and other. And they share that bond. Yeah. You know? They share that bond. <laughs> they yeah. share that bond. They're in love. What do you think you would like like how do you could you could you test that with someone? Like could you find another cellist and be like Yeah, definitely. Like would let's you try this. Be the bow or the fingers? I think I would be bow. I mean, I guess if the music is in front of you, like I can understand how that really isn't that difficult to imagine, you know? Yeah, I improvising. guess I'm right-handed, I'm just like, oh, I would be the bow. Yeah, improvising, I can see, like, how that could be a little... Di- that'd be a little more impressive. Yeah. But, like, if you're just playing an, an yeah. established piece of music, like, why and not? Are, and let's just... I'll be honest, there's not a lot of people improvising on the cello. And oh, I think okay. that is sort of a failure of the industry at large. But, like, <laughs> maybe one day. If you had to write up a, a cello, a horror film of the cello uh, industrial complex... I what um <laughs> what what would what would it be about? What would it be called? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. <laughs> is it? I'm not sure it is, but Bow answer finger. it anyway. <laughs> Bowfinger. Bowfinger. <laughs> I mean, the sort of like high part, the neck. The neck. The neck is maybe because you have to. Is there something about like do you have to do stretches as a cellist? Like, do you I mean, your all body those string right instruments position? are really hard. Unlike okay. your body and like yeah, that's like cello is really leans on like back posture. Oh. Whereas, like, it's violinists who get really bad well, shoulders. Bad cho- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm fr- someone I grew up with is, like, a violinist in a professional symphony orchestra. Wow. And, like, watching that sort of Instagram presence has mm-hmm. taught me a lot about this world as, like, <laughs> someone mm-hmm. in their 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just constant sort of, like, physical therapy mm-hmm. and, like, 
body stuff. I mean, I wish there was almost, and I don't, I don't like horror movies. I'm very squeamish. There could have been more body horror in this because yeah. I do think like having like a la Black Swan, like yeah, that really went for it. Yeah, and it's an industry that does take a lot out of one's body. Mm-hmm. Um, so they could have, I don't know, they could have chopped off more shit. Yeah, and I th- <laughs> and I think that that's that's why I brought that up at the beginning. It's as, as much as I was impressed by it. Um, we'll see how how long that lasts uh <laughs> it's just like this guy said i mean he i think he's talented but you he's he mostly has done tv and this is kind of his first foray into horror film and he like saw a genre that he liked and he's trying to get good at it and like fortunately i think it's like mostly successful but the sense that he's mimicking and not actually creating something is there throughout the entire thing yeah. and maybe if maybe if he went a little harder with the cello industry maybe if he spoke maybe. to someone like you if he oh had a gosh. consultant i'm always available for the next cello horror <laughs> yeah. i would love that it really just made me want to rewatch the handmaiden which I oh love yeah same. and like is one of my favorite movies also also gory gorier it's gorier and gayer yeah it's gorier yeah it could have this movie could have also been gayer the gay the, uh, and that and the one I'm sexy sick of nipple is sexy nipple is yeah. swear to god and she covers up i was like allison grow this up. is your moment <laughs> grow up come on allison <laughs> grow up allison <laughs> We want more. We want more gay sex, and we want more gore, and we want more cello, um, and we want less of this because we're done. <laughs> so, thank you, Fran. Thank you, Jeff, for coming on today <laughs> to talk about these three very different films and miniseries. Unfortunately, we gotta go. Um, and thank you for calling in. Once again, you can call seven five four call Bob to share your current obsessions, and we may discuss it on a future episode. Uh, and with that, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>